Welcome to Kindly Gifted. I'm your host, Kate Tarantiva, and I can't wait to unwrap the world of influence with you. Every day, your gifted episodes, see what I did there, to help you become fluent in the business of creativity and learn the best kept industry secrets to creating an online presence worth remembering. It's really like having a momager on speed dial. So let's dive into it. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously and 6-1 since that matters. And what do I even say other than hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Born in Atlanta, Georgia, ATL ho, and raised in Chicago, he has been named as one of 100 most influential people in the world in 2005 and 2015. Forbes estimates his net worth at over $2 billion as of 2022, making him the wealthiest musician in the world. Whether you love him or hate him, you cannot deny that he is a genius, and he is Kanye Yay West. Today we're diving into Ye's personal brand and I think that Kanye has maintained something that is very very rare for most people of influence to maintain. It may be easy for them to achieve especially now with just how fast you're able to go viral and um, achieve notoriety and kind of that five seconds ten seconds of fame right. Kanye has been active as a public figure since 1996. It is 2022 at the time of this recording, and I cannot even begin to tell you how many musicians, artists, public figures, celebrities, people of influence, how many of them we've cycled through since this time, and how many people started out have even have whether they become one-hit wonders or they just kind of like fell off the scene or were unable to maintain their relevancy. There's something that makes Kanye so exceptional and that is his grasp on marketing and understanding how he is perceived and being able to shape that perception. And so that being said, he has a very strong grasp on his personal brand, which we're going to dive in today. And hopefully you will also learn something about how it is that you can learn from Kanye in order to apply some of the same principles to your own personal brand if it's relevant or take something and kind of reinvent it for yourself. I know there's a lifetime to cover here, quite literally. This is someone's life that we are talking about, but we're not going to be here for a lifetime. We're just going to be here longer than the TikTok videos that you see of me breezing through people's personal brands in 90 seconds or just highlighting a small part of it. But an amazing place to start is someone's past and seeing that I have this theory that all the things starting from your childhood have kind of been stepping stones up to where you are now and very much do inform where you will go. Um, If you look at your life kind of from a third-party perspective or, or someone else's, in this case Kanye's, and you'll see this, right, is that no part of his life is, like, questionable. No, And what I mean by that is, like, everything kind of fits into this larger puzzle. It all makes sense, right? So here's what I mean. Um, Kanye, Kanye was born in um, in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, he now goes by Ye, so I will refer to him moving forward as Ye to be respectful. Um, he later moved to Chicago with his mother, Donda, um, who 
yes, is the woman that his album Donda and Donda 2 is named after. Um, So he moved with his mother to Chicago after his parents got divorced, and both of his parents were creatives and intellectuals. So his dad, Ray, was one of the first black photojournalists at the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. He later uh, moved into the religious sector um, and then started a a business as well, um, a a store and and a cafe. Um, And then his mom, Donda, is actually Dr. Donda West. She was a professor of English at Clark Atlanta University and later the chair of the English department at Chicago State. Um, And she actually retired after to be Kanye's manager, uh, which is a very similar phenomenon to what we also see with Kim and Chris, her mother being her manager. So um, Kanye did move to... China at one point um, when he was 10 with his mother um, and she was teaching at the Nanjing University and he obviously attended school there and so he was actually always a good student. I mean, he had great influences within his family. Um, he, you know, because of his parents being creatives, also in addition to being intellectuals, he started writing from a very early age and really had this affinity for the arts. Um, he was writing poetry as early as five years old. He um, was writing raps as early as like third grade. Um, and his mother was always very supportive of him in his, in pursuing you know his music career and 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 rapping and his passions for the musical sector and he actually released an album uh called College Dropout which is pretty pretty well known album right that actually reflects his journey from dropping out of college out of Chicago state um in order to pursue his musical dreams and so you know, coming from a family where your mother is a college professor, I mean, that must have been incredibly kind of off-putting to her and a little bit confusing in terms of like, what's going to be my kid's safety net? You know, how is he going to be able to make stability through this? And for Kanye, releasing the album College Dropout was really about having the courage to just like embrace your authenticity, embrace who you are rather than construct co- constructing yourself into a certain box or, or putting yourself um, into a specific label that people have for you. And I want to note here that in every interview he has ever given, he does reference that. And he like says it with his whole chest that it's not about conforming to society. It's not about placing these rules that other people place on you. It's not about conforming to other people's standards. It's really about being who you are. And that started really early for him. And the first way that he really showcased that to the world was through his album, College Dropout. So you see what I'm saying is that, you know, everything that we see now, that, you know, was something that was a crucial moment that formed for him early on in his childhood. And he continues to carry that with him. Because of his how his career started with wanting to break out of a box and societal norms, that is where he's making his impact. That is the common thread that you will see across every single career move that he has made and the approach that he has had in those moves is the desire to break free from societal expectations. And I'm not just talking about his musical career. 
I'm talking about his approach to fashion. I'm talking about his approach to streaming with the STEM STEM player. Um, I'm talking about his approach to being a religious figure and having a church, which like really also smart and great for taxes, by the way. But, <laughs> you know, it's not necessarily something that you expect to mix, right? Um, or his approach to just art in general and everything being a performance, very like high level artistic creativity, um, everything throughout is this desire to break free of the chains of society. And that is why when you go from, okay, you know, who was I when I was younger? Because those are usually where your values kind of start to form, right? And and you take a lot of your childhood throughout your personal brand. And you go into like, okay, well, what do, what do I want to be known for? What am I known for if we're looking at somebody like, like yay um and that is you know this non-conformist attitude right this disruptor this fuck society type of of outlook on things but not in the traditional way that we would normally expect a hip-hop artist to approach like the fuck society thing he does it in a very artistic elevated way he does it in like that's why expanding into high fashion was also very seamless for him because he has this very elevated view of art, which I think is very interesting. And also, again, relates to the fact that, like, he was exposed to a parent who was a photojournalist. Another parent was a professor. and So he was raised in a family of, of intellectuals and artistic, specifically creative intellectuals. And so that has remained within him, right? And so when you are known for something, then you think about, well, who is the type of person that would resonate with something like that? And Ye's audience are the artsy kids, at least now, right? They're like... The, the artsy people, he said in an interview that, because I'm pulling this stuff out. I'm a Virgo, okay? Like, we did our research. Um, he said in an interview that he always thought and always saw that the creative kids were either the loners or the ones who got beat up. And he said, I don't want to see any more creative people get beat up. I want them to be champion. This is me paraphrasing. And that's exactly who he's for. He's for the creative kid. He's for the weirdo outcast kid who maybe didn't think that they could do anything with their creative talents. And then they look to somebody like Kanye and, or Ye and they think, oh my God, I could be a fashion designer. I could be a musical artist. I could, you know, create tech, right? Or I could design homes or I could own like a color palette or I could be a performance artist or a graphic designer or all these things that that Kanye has pursued right and so you see that reflected in all of the business moves that he was able to make 
starting from being a artist and producer, which is a very rare combination, especially when he first started out, right? And then evolving his music. Most of the time, the artists that are truly artists are inspired by music you would never expect. Being inspired as a hip-hop artist by rock music is amazing. Being inspired by house music, amazing. Not the typical trajectory that we normally hear, right? A lot of the kind of artists, I would call performers, which is still an art, but more so not necessarily somebody that like composes music or writes music or produces music or who has to essentially educate themselves on varying different types of genres in order to know how to sample things and how to like create synergy. Um, Artists that don't really care about that are very much inspired by people within their genre, within their genre only, and maybe like some some sub-genres within that, but they don't really look to other opposite genres for inspiration. Whereas, maybe this is just my opinion, that like a true artist is inspired by art outside of what they know, outside of their comfort zone. And that goes across the board. It doesn't just have to be, you know, in in music. It can be in any other form of art. So producer, artist, hybrid is a title that he has. And he has evolved varying different, through varying different genres. I mean, we've seen gospel inspirations. We've seen rock inspirations. We've seen, um, you know, standard hip hop inspirations, house inspirations. He's gone through a lot of different types of evolutions within his musical career. But then Ye's also a performance artist. I mean, everything is a performance. The shows, the, 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 you know, the fashion shows, the the performances he has, both for some of his listening parties for Donda, but also his concerts, the styling, the sets, the lighting. Um, and even before that, when music is released, the album covers, all of that is so artistic and creative and interesting and tells a story. And that makes sense because he also had a creative agency called Donda, which actually, fun fact... This is a very weird connection, but I have known about Donda for a while. Actually, when I was in grad school as an art director, Donda was no longer operating as a creative agency, I don't believe anymore. Um, But I had kept up with the work of some of the people that were working there. And you may have known that, that that's how Ye and Virgil started their kind of relationship and Ye was very responsible for Virgil coming out from behind the curtain and really being a a huge creative figure as we know as we knew him um and so there was actually specifically a creative a director producer who worked within the Don the team Nate Brown that I kept up with when I was a student um as an art director and I just really loved his work. I loved his perspective on things. He was working in the like fashion beauty streetwear space, which is something I very much wanted. And when I started working at Justin Alexander, which was a is a luxury bridal label, but it was my former workplace. Um, the CEO of the company had a personal and professional relationship with Nate Brown, who worked with Kanye 
at Donda. Um, and Nate was actually the creative director for several of our campaign shoots, as well as um, did the creative direction and packaging design and branding for a fragrance that came out under the Justin Alexander brand portfolio. And so I've actually seen him in the office before and had like a mini fangirl moment because for me, that was somebody that was a very inspirational figure within the creative space. And also knowing that he had assisted in the design of a, of a lot of album covers for for Yay, but also for other musical artists and done set designs and, and you know, that kind of stuff, show, show designs. Um, it was just very cool to be even in, in like the same essentially room as him. So very weird connection, but yeah, I, I didn't realize that a lot of people didn't know that actually Kanye, um, did have a creative agency called Donda named after his mother, who was a very, very important figure for him. And we all, all obviously know that he has Yeezy, um, which is his streetwear fashion. I would call it more so fashion label. I think he definitely tries to position it as more so of a a luxury streetwear label. Um, And that was previously a connection between Ye and Nike. That broke apart. And then it became, you know, Yeezy and Adidas. And then he also created Yeezy Gap, which I believe was designed in cooperation with Balenciaga, which is a very big influence on on Ye. And Yeezy is a very interesting brand to me because it looks like exactly what it's inspired by, except for rich people. So, allegedly for entertainment, because he has denied this, but it it's public domain, so I don't even know why I'm saying allegedly. Anyway, it has been said <laughs> that Yeezy is inspired by homeless people and children. And I remember Orlando Brown giving an interview, Orlando Brown, the same one from That's a Raven, and he said... I find it really weird that you have a brand inspired by homeless people and children when you're not really doing anything to like service these people. You're using them as inspiration and then putting a $500, or $800, $1,000 price tag on these items inspired by, you know, people that don't have anything near that, right? So... It has caused a lot of controversy, which we will get into because there are definitely some things that you can learn from Kanye and take away for your own personal brand. Um, But it has sparked a lot of controversy. And I think that Yeezy feels very much like Kanye's personal clothing brand um, in that it feels like a passion project that he kind of just designed for himself. And I remember there was an interview and I can't... forget if it was with Joe Budden or with someone else, um, who advised Kanye, why don't you take the brand, like, make it more accessible, make it more public, make it more relatable to your fans. And that was something he was, he was kind of fighting a little bit. Um, 
And so I do think that in recent times, he has kind of been advised by his team to like, well, you know, this is a good money making opportunity. Why don't you partner with somebody like Gap? Why don't you partner with Balenciaga? Why don't you partner with Adidas? Try to make some of this a little bit more accessible so that other people can buy it. And the marketing strategy behind Yeezy is very smart because it's all drop oriented. So there's a limited quantity of things. It obviously sells out really quickly because there's a limited quantity. You're not releasing a ton of everything. Um, and then it starts. it's basically made for resell culture. It's not actually, despite the fact that the clothes and everything is very much ordinary, it's not meant to be worn. It's meant to be resold. That's meant to generate hype, which is very interesting. Um, so we have Yeezy, we have the stem player, which he has released, uh, I believe it was Donda 2 on it exclusively, and that's basically his music streaming handheld platform, um, in his very signature neutral colors, and then we have the founding of, uh, Sunday service and the church that is associated with that, which very smart for tax purposes. Um, he does also invest in real estate. He also believe has equity in some of the car Jenner brands, notably skims is one of them for sure. Um, and, you know, going into the future, he is working on Donda Academy, which is going to be his school and Donda university. Um, I think he's kind of in the same lane as Elon Musk, to be honest, because Elon Musk has also founded a school um, very much focused on creative education and kind of like a, a program that teaches life skills. That's what I've gathered. Um, and then he's been trademarking things like festivals and merch and diaper bags. I'm not talking about Elon Musk. I'm talking about Ye specifically. Um, and so also currently fighting Gap and Adidas with the Yeezy thing at the time of this recording. Obviously in the future that might be resolved. <laughs> um, but there's a lot of different streams of revenue that he has. And all of them are very creative passions, right? Because his whole purpose is to champion the creative talent, to put creativity on a pedestal and not see it as this like slacker hobby, but rather a, a career, an industry and a very, very reputable one, one that can sustain a, a $2 billion net worth, right? So there are three things that you can learn from Kanye with from his own personal brand of things that he does within the way that he is perceived, the way he shapes perception. And that's very important in order to have a very successful personal brand. That's how people evolve it is they know how they're perceived by other people and then they shape it. They don't say, oh, I know how you perceive me. So I'm just going to continue giving you what you want. They're able to say, okay, I know how you perceive me and I don't want to be perceived that way, maybe. So I'm going to try to shape it and strategically put you on this other path in a way that you can perceive me. And that comes from setting certain boundaries and, and being selective with what it is that you expose to your audience or being able to kind of control their behavior. That's influence. I say a lot on this podcast, like influence is not like 
posting pictures of yourself. (laughs) That's lovely, but it's not influence. Influence and like maintaining influence since 1996 is about having a very good grasp on human behavior and perception. Having a grasp on the same things that brand side people have in order to grow and shape and scale their brands. So personal brands operate very similarly to to real, traditional, not real, but traditional, conventional brands. So within Kanye's personal brand, there are kind of like three main overarching themes. And one of them is polarization. And we're going to talk about this for a minute because (laughs) he is the king of polarization. When you think of Ye, you think of one very notable thing. Not the thing, but one very notable thing. And that is him coming on stage during the 2008, right, VMAs. Grabbing the mic from Taylor Swift and saying, yeah, yeah, you were lovely. I'm going to let you finish. But Beyonce had the best video of all time. And... That sparked so much controversy that it was one of the key moments of of Ye's career where people started to either like him or dislike him. And that is the moment that made him realize that he can use that to his advantage. I don't agree with all the ways that he's doing it, which I'm going to talk about very briefly, but polarization is being able to know that people either like you or hate you and strive for them to either like you or hate you so long as they don't land in the middle. When people land in the middle, they're indifferent towards you, right? And so that's when you kind of lose relevancy. If Kanye did not realize that he could either make people like him or hate him and everybody kind of landed into this like, uh, yay, uh, uh, meh category. He wouldn't have had a career for this long. He wouldn't have been relevant past maybe that exact moment. So it would have been 1996 to like 2008. <laughs> but it, it he has still continued to maintain that. And I think that's when it clicked for him that like, oh my God, people's opinions are actually very important for me as a public figure. So that's exactly, you know, if you were to bring up Ye in conversation, you would either get, I like him, or love him, right? Or I hate him, or like, fuck him. He just thinks he's all that, or whatever, right? So the the interesting thing is that he very much focuses on being polarizing and not popular. When you focus on being popular, which is something that you're very much encouraged through a bunch of different tactics, like, oh, you get a certain amount of followers, or, uh, you know, you have to, like, be at all of these events you have to be in all of these pictures blah 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 like when you focus on popularity there's always going to be an expiration date attached to that at some point very soon your your popularity will expire it's like trends it's it's very fleeting right whereas polarization you're able to ingrain yourself in people's minds and they either love you or they hate you, which is a very normal thing for anybody who is an influencer, a public figure, or a personal brand, is, is everybody has an opinion on you, especially the more you grow, the more opinions you have, and even the opinions 
there may be more negativity that you may be exposed to as well. And you have to understand that if you want to be in this game for a while, if you want to continue to expand your personal brand, you want to maintain relevancy, you want to maintain your influence, you have to know how to deal with even the negative opinions. And so one way to do that is to understand that there will always be an opinion. So the goal is to make sure there is an opinion about you. And that is something that is actually borrowed from the advertising industry because in advertising we say, the whole goal of an ad is to make people feel something. Now they can feel like this is the thing they've been needing all their life or they can feel repelled. But either way, they feel something and therefore your brand, your product, your service is top of mind and you made them feel something and because they felt something, they will remember it. And so... Having that understanding that the polarization is actually not about you, right? It's about people's opinions and understanding that there is a power attached to people's opinions and people being able to essentially grow your career. So I actually think that despite the fact that he has been, that Ye has been named as this very arrogant, narcissistic figure, that he actually prioritizes people a lot more than we think. That being said, he has used, in my opinion, allegedly for entertainment, has used polarization in ways that I don't necessarily deem ethical. Are they strategic? Yes. Are they calculated? Yes. Did they make him money? 1000%. But were they necessarily ethical? Not particularly. Um, an example of that is identity politics. Kanye is the master of using identity politics to further polarize and divide people than they already are in order to generate revenue. I'm going to give you an example. Um... And I think he doesn't, I don't think it comes off as unethical because he is not pretending to be somebody he's not. Keep that in mind. So here's what I mean. Identity politics is when you have ingrained yourself so much and defined yourself so much by your identity that you don't really see other people's opinions and you don't take them as valid. And that is a very common concept in the U.S. If you were to leave the United States or travel abroad, there's less ownership over identity, I think. And it's because, this is from my perspective also as being somebody who like was not raised in an American household, um, is that there is this sort of loss of identity in a way where the U.S. is a melting pot, right? So there's so many different perspectives, so many different cultures, skin colors, identities, political affiliations, religions. That You're exposed to so many different types of identities that sometimes you may feel identity crisis where you're like, who am I, right? And identity politics feeds information about who you should and shouldn't be and how much you should own your identity and and be we become so individualistic that we lose our sense of togetherness 
And in the U.S., this is a very prominent concept, especially because this country was founded on a bipartisan system, meaning that you always had to pick a side. You always had to pick a side. You had to pick between Republican and Democrat. You pick between white and black, right? You had to pick between heterosexual, homosexual for a very long time. Obviously, now that those things have been kind of more so evolved, but even now, subconsciously, you still feel like you have to pick a side. You have the democracy of choosing a side. You're not told that you have to pick this specific side, but that you do have to pick a side. And it creates so much ownership over like, well, I picked this because I'm correct and I'm this and you're wrong. And, and it creates a lot of hate and division between people and where we can't see eye to eye anymore on certain things or we're not open to opinions on certain things. And so Ye is very smart in the sense that he realizes that and he uses that to his advantage when he wants to launch something. Or when he wants to divert attention from an otherwise problematic issue. So an example of this was February 2022. He, come to find out, was launching Donda 2, I believe, on the STEM player. And prior to that, we really had no knowledge of what the concrete plans of, of all of that were. We just knew that the album was coming. And... This is when we saw probably his first manic episode on social media in a a long time where alleged manic episode, God, trying to avoid a defamation suit here, Um, where he started leaking conversations between him and his ex-wife Kim and, uh, you know, his disdain for Pete Davidson with the weird, like, bury you in the sand claymations um we saw just a lot of questionable stuff the attack of 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 kim's family members and the attack of other artists and it was just very strange and it started making headlines really quickly where people were like oh you know kanye's going through a manic episode and then people were saying well isn't this a little questionable you know he's threatening women like he's threatening kim he's threatening pete um he there's just a lot of concerning things happening where like should we be concerned for people's safety through some of these conversations very quickly after that we saw Ye's response I'm assuming to these headlines but either way he responded saying that you know people were trying to take down a black man and it very became very quickly became a racially driven conversation And what did that do? It rallied people for that cause. So it created this fuzzy film over the fact that he was threatening a woman and her family and her then boyfriend. And we disregarded all of that. And we paid attention to the fact that, oh, this is happening because he's a black man, right? Shortly after, boom, Donda 2, boom, STEM player, millions of dollars, I believe it was actually hundreds of millions of dollars in in 24 hours of revenue from that. Coincidence? I think the fuck not, okay? <laughs> and he's done that on several different occasions. We saw that again very recently 
with the law with the inception of when he first started mentioning Donda Academy and he leaked conversations with him and Kim and Kim's outwardly saying like please don't put this on social media can you please take this off social media and he's like no our kids are gonna go to Donda Academy they're not gonna go here and people were like um is he going through like a manic episode again and also why is he putting his family drama on the internet? And then very quickly, once again, it was, they just want to see a black man fail. And then you go to the comments and it's it's people rallying for the cause. And then he's like, boom, I'm breaking ties with Adidas and Gap. Fuck them. And then everybody goes, yeah, fuck them. And then he's like, I'm launching this. And people are like, where can I go get it? Where can I buy? You know, so it's. Using identity politics and polarization, the polarization of identity and knowing that people do pick a side and telling them to pick a side in order for that to be profitable within your business. Do I necessarily think that's ethical? No. Is he going to continue doing it? Yes. <laughs> um, I mean, he's the queen, the queen, LMAO, the king of polarization. Um, you know, he made a song called Green Eggs and Ham when he was in third grade, inspired by Dr. Seuss's Green Eggs and Ham. And something that Dr. Seuss once said is those who mind don't matter and those who matter don't mind. And that is ultimately understanding the effects of polarization where you're as long as you're being yourself identity politics aside because I again I, I think that he's using that to his advantage but generally speaking he's not necessarily by not conforming to society he's being himself and he's speaking his truth and he's okay with creating a divide between people who love and hate you and then he clearly takes it a step further and creates a divide amongst already divided people, right? So polarization is a realm he likes to play in and take it to extremes that we really haven't seen um, past, like, you know, more larger entities, corporations, governmental agencies, stuff like that. Um, the second thing that you can definitely learn from, from Ye is that boxes are something that you shouldn't put yourself in. You shouldn't put yourself in a box. Now, I don't want you to take this to to the whole no niche level, okay? Niche is the thing that you want to be known for and you want to be you want to make it niche and kind of more so nuanced, right? In in Ye's case, it's about uplifting creative people and and embracing your talents and being that kind of like underdog in a space where um, creativity maybe isn't as valued, right? And so with college dropout kind of being the inception of that thinking, he has really focused on not conforming to a box. With every single brand, like I mentioned before, he has created, with every company's launch, with every business move that he has made, it has always been something that is against the grain, something unexpected, something that people didn't think he would do and he wasn't doing it for people he was doing it because he truly believes that like that's how you disrupt and innovate um and so not putting yourself necessarily in a, a particular box because that's where people want you and the lesson you can learn here if you're a, a more a smaller more personal brand or still growing 
is that you also don't need to conform yourself to what your audience wants to see from you. If there's something that you're doing that you don't necessarily, that you're, let's say, getting a ton of views for, but you don't necessarily want to keep doing, it is your story. It is your narrative. Take control of the reins and and shape your narrative and shape perception um, and be able to say like, well, I don't want to be known for that. So I'm not going to continue creating that, you know, instead of complying to what other people want to see you do and want to see from you. And the final thing, and this is something that I see across a lot of specifically male personal brands. And I think that if you are a woman listening to this, you can definitely learn from male counterparts. And that is, Ye truly believes that if you don't speak highly of yourself, nobody else will. Granted, this man takes it to a completely different level, okay? You know, I am a God type of level, Jesus, let me crucify myself in music videos type of level. But nevertheless, he has that same audacity that a lot of male personal brands do when thinking very highly of themselves. And if you are a woman listening to this or you are non-binary or um, LGBTQIA+, there is definitely something that you can learn here in embracing who you are and being confident and speaking highly of yourself and appreciating yourself because the appreciation from other people will come when you have started succeeding. Then people will be like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You're amazing. You're so great. You've always been so great. But when you are still in that process of growth or figuring something out or, or you know, experiencing stepping stones or that's why I like to call failure or failure or, you know, you may not get that same type of support. And so expecting it from other people and seeking it from other people instead of giving it to yourself is definitely maybe the easiest way to get burnt out and to feel unfulfilled. And so Yay is definitely somebody that you can look to for inspiration on being very sure of yourself and confident in yourself and looking to yourself for validation as opposed to for external sources. Granted, you can go so far as to be calling yourself a god do it. If that is the affirmation you want to use on yourself, do it, boo. But if you, you know, don't necessarily want to go so far as is calling yourself a Jesus, right? Um, you can still have confidence in yourself and you you have the permission and, and the the right to feel sure and confident in your story. And that's, I think, the, the backbone of a personal brand and the difference between somebody who's who's creating and somebody who really knows exactly what they are, what their vision is what their goals are and they're like I'm gonna work my fucking ass off because I have these dreams and I have this vision and I have this goal and I'm gonna get there um and and the difference between the two is is having confidence and and treating yourself as if you were already there which is something that um yay truly is is great at is having that magic of believing in yourself that's truly unmatched. <laughs> um, so I hope this was a good inside look into Ye's personal brand. I mean, I could talk about this forever. I feel like I didn't even share enough, but I, I shared some things that a lot of people don't discuss. And um, I shared this from a psychological perspective of diving in very deep and having that insider knowledge of personal branding. But I also shared things from the perspective of a consumer 
um, and looking from the outside in and seeing how is it that this person is perceived and how does that perception allow him to then build a $2 billion empire? Um, personal brands are very powerful. Um, and they're the thing that allow you to not only create a story that you're confident with, but use that story to impact people and ultimately to generate revenue in ways that are purposeful, in ways that are intentional, in ways that you can um, serve people through your business ideas, through your clothing, through your music, through your art, through whatever it is that you want to do. Um, and a great way to see the possibilities of that is look to other people who have already done it and use them as inspiration. Not be jealous, not be upset that you're not there yet, but use them as like, this is what's possible for me. So I hope that you saw that here within Kanye. Let me know on Instagram or in a TikTok comment what you thought of this episode and um, maybe some things that you want to hear more about. Maybe we might make another episode on, on Ye because there are just so many things we can talk about. Um, so anyways, um, thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed it and share this with somebody that you care about, somebody who maybe needs to hear a little bit more about Ye's story in order to feel inspired. Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. Thanks for tuning in to Kindly Gifted. To support the podcast, please leave a review, share with your friends, and don't forget to subscribe. Make sure you follow me on TikTok at KateMob for more creative secrets from the internet's momager. See you on the next episode of Kindly Gifted.